I am Professor Jorge Leal, historian at the University of California, Riverside, and this is The Discursive Power of Rock en Español and The Desire for Democracy, o El Rock en Español y El Anhelo Democrático, para más corto. In this episode, we're joined by Professor Citlali Sosa-Rideo, professor at Cal State San Marcos, who joins us along with Emilia Parodi. Emilia is a Pierce College student in the San Fernando Valley and a third-generation rock Argentino fan. They want to share with us a very insightful conversation on how Rock en Español became a creative space for people frustrated with the anti-democratic societies they lived in and how everyday people challenge authoritarian regimes through their participation in musical culture. It is quite revealing how Emilia, someone born 15 years after the dictatorship, was still affected by the power of El Rock Nacional Argentino, which is the music from artists that came to be popular not only in Argentina, but in time throughout Latin America and in U.S. Latinx communities, as part of what we now define as Rock en Español. So, let's listen in. Okay, welcome everyone to the discursive power of Rock en Español and the desire for democracy. This is our new episode, and I'm here with uh, Emilia Parodi, and I would like to have her tell us a little bit about herself. Um, Emilia, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, everyone. My name is Emilia. I'm from Argentina, as Professor Sidlali already mentioned. Um, I'm 27. I was born and raised there. Uh, Spanish is my first language, and I speak English as my second and uh, right now I'm doing Spanish language and literature and I would love to be involved in the uh, archive program on, to be a librarian and I would also like to be a romance writer. Um, and where did you grow up? What part of Argentina? I'm from Buenos Aires, like the province, but I live in Miramar. I was born and raised there. It's a small city at the in the Atlantic coast. Okay, sounds good. So in you, have you visited Buenos Aires much? So it feels like a lot of things happen there. Yes, but Buenos Aires is very happening, very yeah. popping, as they will say. Uh, but no, I've been there just uh, to do some, to run some errands to come to the, to the States, and I only visited for a short period of time once, and I was in um, Casa de Gobierno, Palermo, and Recoleta. And you did get to visit the museum, but we'll get to that at the end, because I know that you have had a chance to visit them. The museum's talking about uh, the dictatorship. Uh, one of the things that I, the reason why I wanted to talk to you about Broken Español is because it seems that it's been a part of your life for as long as you can remember. And yet you were way too young to have lived through the dictatorship, and it would have been like the era of your grandparents, right? Not even your parents, right? Yes, Not even... my parents were born in like mid-70s, okay. so it will be more about my grandparents experiencing yeah. and remembering very well. Um, I remember learning about it in high school, so I was 14, 15 years old when I uh, get to grasp the concept. I mean, it's embedded in like the culture of Argentina, and everybody knows it, like even from a, a young age in elementary school, but I feel like I was able to understand more as I got older. Um, I was very lucky to have a good professor, like a history professor, and he taught us the dictatorship through music and literature. 
and how that impacted the context. And even though it was kind of like fiction, it was very real. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, wait, but you also said that it was part of like even elementary school. Does that mean you guys played like rock and espanol in your like elementary school classes? I mean, that's. I don't remember pretty well, like in elementary, but it was a. It's a part. It's a part of the culture, so it is well known. And I grew up with my mom blasting Soda Stereo or Charlie Garcia at home where we had to clean. Uh, sometimes with some cumbia or salsa music, but it was usually rock and Spanish. And did they? Did your mom talk to you about like its meaning, or did you find it only later? I found it later. I think my mom wanted to also conceal the ugly truth mm-hmm. of the situations. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though we did sing it at, like at loud, uh, she wasn't very ready to share like the ugliness of it all. Okay. But then when I got older, like she did, uh, she explained way more. Oh wow, okay. And then tell us a bit about this class you took in high school because was it like was it an elective or is it something everybody took all over? Well, Argentina doesn't have electives. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, maybe they do. I don't know. I'm from a small city and the <laughs> curriculum in Miramar is different, maybe. But it was a set subject. Mm-hmm. So we have a year uh, starting in March and ending in December, like a school year. Goes like that because mm-hmm. it's like a, a different seasons. Oh, okay. Um, like a whole school year. Yeah, this okay. is a whole school year. It was history, okay. so it wasn't an elective. Does everybody um, teach it through music, or is that was that person more rare? I don't really know. I guess it's hard but enough. at that school, at yeah. least. So, but at it least is. it was common there, so everybody yes. was learning it there. And I know that people that were only like a grade up, uh-huh. uh, they did the same as I did. I remember that we started doing like a timeline of like presidents and uh, social events in in Argentina. We we only did Argentina and a little bit of Chile. Um, it was important to for for a professor to to show us the break between the de facto government and how um, Perón was taking over. The okay. first dictator, and then the second time that that happened, how the gobierno de facto sh- uh, showed up and took him out mm-hmm. and started to impose, mm-hmm. like the Fuerzas Armadas, the, yeah, the armed forces, the armed forces uh, took over, and they have like different ideas. Like it was in a constitutional government, but it was more of a dictatorship that yeah. continued for a long time throughout Argentina and I, in class we did more about the we had the political aspect but we also wanted to see how that impacted socially mm-hmm. and culturally and we paid more attention to the rebel rebellious part or like the oh okay. subversive part right the bad I thing guess. was subversive i know we use it but like they meant it in a really bad way so right, right. i think the the far right that mm-hmm. was all the the, the dictators um right. yes use it in a bad way to describe the people that weren't mm-hmm. okay with what was happening right disrupting and, the order yeah. just yeah and I think from there, did they call themselves subversive or did they call themselves more like revolutionaries or something? I think it was kind of like the first, I remember mm-hmm. one of the first dictators that we had, it's called La Revolución Argentina mm-hmm. because they were the ones 
during the revolution against oh, okay. whatever they believed that was wrong. It was right. still a dictatorship, but right. I was I think it was the first time that Peron oh. got. Well, that's true. Anybody can call themselves a revolutionary yeah. for sure. Uh, and and did you guys analyze lyrics? Because I know that because I know that um, you guys have a lot of songs and singers who were, you know, they said a lot of things in the in the music, right? We did, the we did two for sure. Uh, Charlie mm. Garcia, mm -hmm. a lot of his lyrics, we we did analyze them, and we also did Los Gatos, that the most famous song. It's La Balsa, talking about mm. all the exiles that left Argentina okay. to be um, guarded and secure. very vividly the Los Dinosaurios de mm -hmm. Charlie um, it's about the military junta that it's alluded to be like the dinosaurios, the dinosaurs right. of the tale because they're going to go extinct? they, like, what Charlie wants to, is like they are going to go extinct mm -hmm. they're going to become extinct, right? Yes. This is this, especially with the last line of the song, right? They just wanted to disappear, like, I, it's also talking about how much people disappear during the dictatorship right. in Argentina, so even if your loved ones okay. disappear, your the, the air can disappear, um, your friends, your family, everybody disappears, mm -hmm. like, rest assured that the dinosaurs, the dictators, are also going to awesome. disappear. Right. Tell us a few of the lines here and, and, and translate them for us. I think they... They're very, as you mentioned before, um, when we talked about it before, that they are very, um, like, abstract, right? Even though they are talking about real people. So, like, the abstraction of dinosaurs, right? Thinking about something like that, when really it's talking about something very real. Yeah, I think he alludes to be, like, obsolete and old and, like, very archaic. Mm -hmm. And that's why he called them dinosaurs. Um, because of the ways that they had to deal with the people that they were trying to get rid of was also very raw and carnal. Um, mm, I didn't think about it that way. Okay. I think. Because I mean, it's my intake of the yeah, song. Yeah, no, but, but that's good. I mean, I yeah, I mean, I guess when we think of dinosaurs, we're thinking about like T-Rexes, right? Not like cute little brontosauruses that are right. eating leaves. We're talking about ones very that are like... dangerous. Right. And, yes. We're thinking of like the really, I don't know, maybe Jurassic Park. Kind of. <laughs> right? um, we're thinking about like the ugliness of dinosaurs, but also that they're at the end of their era. So that is a, that is a good way to think about it, I think, and the kind of rawness, the brutality of it. Um, and so it talks about all the different people who disappear. Can you tell us you a little bit about that? You want to say it in Spanish and then English? Mm -hmm. uh, los amigos del barrio pueden desaparecer. Los cantores de radio pueden desaparecer. Los que están en los diarios pueden desaparecer. La persona que amas puede desaparecer. Let me talk about that part, yeah. So when it says, like, your friends of your neighborhood could disappear, the people, the singers on the radio could also disappear. Everybody that is in the newspaper and the people that you love could disappear. 
and then it talks about the air, like people are in the air and all over the place, but it can also disappear from there. And they can also uh, disappear from plain sight and in, in the middle of the street. And even when people can see that they are um, being disappeared, like no one can actually say much mm -hmm. because also it will take them away as well. It was, mm -hmm. a, it was a thing that everybody's going to disappear. You need to rest assured that the dinosaurs that are doing mm -hmm. all the disappearing are also going to disappear. Right. And I guess we don't exactly know like where in the timeline he's thinking about it from. I mean, we know that the military dictatorship officially ends in 1983, but the song comes out right then, and so it does feel perhaps a bit hopeful. Right? Yeah, like the end of an era. Yeah. Actually, I think in 1985 they get actually persecuted, the dictators in Argentina. Mm -hmm. So maybe it's like a foreseeing what was happening. Well, either way, they're going to disappear, right? Because yeah. he does talk about that um, that hopefulness, I feel like, of saying that they're going to get... Oh, they're going to they're gonna go the way of the dinosaur. I guess that's how we talk about it in English. I don't know if, you got, if it's talked the same way in Argentina and in Spanish, but the sense of, like, they're all going to disappear in the meteors and they're yeah. all going to die and <laughs> there's nothing to be left of them. Because I know that you mentioned before that um, that it was the song was really emotional for you. Tell us a little bit about that and any lyrics that are important to you. I like when he says, Oh, mi amor, I wanna... Si los pesados, mi amor, llevan todo ese montón de equipaje en la mano, oh, mi amor, yo quiero estar liviano. I don't wanna keep all this baggage, and I don't wanna feel guilty of consciousness or anything. I want to do the right thing. I wanna be light, I wanna be easy. Mm -hmm. And then he keeps going in the second verse. I love that phrase. Is when the war, when you feel like the world goes down, like it's better not to be attached to anything. Mm -hmm. Like you just have to be uh, calm and free. And then it's asks you to imagine the dinosaurs in bed mm -hmm. uh, because they technically, technically they are real people, so you shouldn't fear them. I don't know, there's a little bit of a hopelessness, which I, I like about this song, that there's like a hopefulness and a hopelessness at the same time. Because, I mean, if this is the right at the end of the dictatorship, you can imagine that people are feeling many things, right? Of feeling trauma, still trying to cope with having lost people, and that sense, too, of being afraid, I imagine, of constantly not knowing who will be disappeared. And... And I could see that it would be easier to feel like it's better to not be invested in too many things, right? Because you could lose it. And that, that really struck me about it. But then also, I guess, at the end, the hopefulness of the idea that, that the dinosaurs still will disappear, even after you've lost so much, you know? So it doesn't, 
it doesn't ignore the loss. It doesn't ignore no. that at all, right? It's so much of it is about their, your own loss, and the hopefulness is really only in those short lines. Um, and then there's a bit of like the, that sense of nihilism of like, don't hold on to anything because you'll lose it. I mean, that's really, that's really hard to hear. It definitely isn't entirely hopeful. For yeah. sure, yeah. I think that at the end of the song, it's more um, uplifting <laughs> when it promised that they are going to disappear. Yeah. But but only after all these other people have also disappeared, right? I didn't see it like that before. Oh, how did I you see it? I just felt like he was doing like an assumption, like everybody's going to disappear, but they mm -hmm. are going to disappear. I didn't think about it as the... I didn't approach it from the Nilis, mm -hmm. whatever, mm -hmm. approach, but... You could say both of us. But yeah, it is true. And that's why you have to not be attached to anything when the work goes on. And I wonder how that affected people, that sense of being, not feeling like you can hold on to anything, you know, at the, at the end of the um, dictatorship, right? And you, you also mentioned before that, um, that the song always affected you. What does it usually make you feel like? It's very sad. It's, there's a lot of like bad things. Mm -hmm. I I was aware of everything that happened during the dictatorship and how much how many people disappear, how many people uh, went into um, torture camps, mm -hmm. um, were killed or mutilated or mm -hmm. several more stuff. Mm -hmm. um, like to be so open and saying like yes, the people that you like and love your friends, the singers in the radio are also being persecuted, the people in the newspaper, mm -hmm. uh, it, no one is safe. Um, it was it was kind of shocking to know that everybody was mm -hmm. out there like being targeted, technically, yeah. if you didn't agree, agree with whatever was happening mm -hmm. uh, with, the, with the right, right, with the dictators at the time. You know what I also realized too, it just struck me right now, this idea of los cantores de radio, like they're talking to, he's talking to about like music, right, about singers and bringing in the importance of people who are cultural makers, right, and they're, and how they also made the dictatorship like fearful so that they persecuted them, right, uh, because they were maybe challenging the dictatorship, things like that. And so you see the importance of culture there too and the importance of singers and music, right, as we're talking about. Uh, so I think he points to that there. Are there other bands that that you kind of think of too, in addition to Charlie Garcia, as very important in Argentina? A lot of, of bands were at the same time. Mm -hmm. um, Charlie Garcia, I think here was a solista, like a mm -hmm. solo artist, mm -hmm. but he had two groups, uh, Sui Generis and Seru Giran, and he also has other songs about the dictatorship. There were other solo artists um, like Andres Calamaro or Leon, Leon Gieco, um, Gustavo Santolaya, and more. Fito Paez too, mm -hmm. uh, Los Twist. Mm -hmm. They were all putting the little like sand grain into the culture of Argentina, um, voicing their ideas and how in, it impacted them. For example, Leon Gieco has a song about the Falkland War. Also, uh, Mercedes Sosa or Maria Elena Walsh. Uh, Maria Elena Walsh did a lot of kids' songs. Mm -hmm. And the Dato de Color, or like a fun fact about Maria Elena, 
as if we were friends, right? Marielena Walsh <laughs> is the daughter of Rodolfo Walsh. Rodolfo uh-huh. Walsh was a journalist that disappeared during the, the dictatorship, and she went on to write songs like mm-hmm. Como la Cigarra o El Mundo al Revés, like mm-hmm. the Upside Down World. And it talks mm-hmm. about like everything that was upside down at the time in Argentina. Like during the dictatorship, like how everything that was wrong it's mm-hmm. actually right, technically, mm-hmm. but not. So she kind of like makes fun of it mm-hmm. and it's in a sarcastic way. But I remember growing up with those songs as it was like a kindergarten chant or whatever mm-hmm. you call those things. Yeah. And you know, too, the other thing that's interesting about music is that you don't always control what people, what kind of meaning people are going to get from it. And they might, if it's abstract, they could take meaning in different directions if they're upset by things, right? So, you know, like, like I know that there's a lot of conversation about how much people took it to mean the things that they wanted to hear, right? If people are upset and frustrated. Yeah, because the idea was for them to be uh, more European or even like more of like an American model. Um, they were all comparing Latin America to that and it, it wasn't possible to, yeah. to succeed, right? Oh, and what was the song you were talking about? The Por qué no se van de los prisioneros, de chilenos. Mm-hmm. And it's just asking if you don't have the resources that you're claiming, if you don't have your, like the peace of mind that you need or your talent, not even your fame, uh, your last name is Gonzalez, uh, why don't you just go? Like, even if you have all these good things. Si viajas todos los años a Italia, si la cultura es la tan rica en Alemania, ¿por qué es el próximo año que no te quedas allá?
I think that from what I remember about Los Prisioneros, like there was that that song, they didn't write it necessarily against the dictatorship in Chile, but that they, that that's the meaning people took from it, even though that's what, that it was more about like kind of being a snob and thinking you're European for like every, every day, um, for kind of like the elite. And that's why they're talking about that with their last names. Yeah. It's like a sarcastic, mm-hmm. a critique. Mm-hmm. Um, but not necessarily about that. So that's mm-hmm. what was fascinating. It could be taken like that. Exactly. Yes. People took different meanings. So also, too, I was curious with um, if there are any things that your family told you about uh, in terms of, you know, the mu- music of the era or the dictatorship. What kind of things do you remember um, that your family kind of shared with you? Experiences like you mentioned your grandmother. I remember my grandpa telling me that because we live in a small city, they needed to be subject only once to a, like, throughout ex- ex- explanation. Like, they would, they would go home to their house and they would uh, research, do research, not research, but like, how would you call it? When they go into your house and they clean it up, like they... Oh, they were like looking, searching people's searching houses. Searching houses oh, okay. and cars and stuff like that. And once they were, like the police or the military part was happy with what they didn't find, they will give you a placa, like a piece of metal saying your name, mm-hmm. your address, your spouse, your kids, uh, saying that you weren't subject to any subversive activities. So you mm-hmm. were free to go. So if the police will stop you for any for anything mm-hmm. at, at any given moment, you would just have to show that. I actually should ask my grandpa if he still has it. Like maybe, yeah, Yeah. I remember hearing about it. But I also know that because we were in a small city, everybody knew each other. I knew about people that had to flee Miramar. Mm -hmm. Um, One of my high school friends, her grandma's brother, had to leave to Mexico City, and Mm -hmm. right now they live in Mexico. but yes, he was a journalist in Miramar, and he didn't have much reach to mm-hmm. print whatever he wanted to, but like they were afraid that he w- was going to, so they right. they kicked him out. Yeah. Like, he actually left before oh, anything yeah, else yeah. could ha- happen, yes. Yeah, I mean, it gives you a sense, too, of how much... If people aren't even able to say anything, not even... Like you said, like even people without a lot of reach, you could imagine why musicians might sing and talk in these kind of abstract ways, right? Because they yes. the only I mean the only way they could do that is if they were maybe living abroad. I um, know that Charlie Garcia was uh, seeking refuge mm-hmm. in Bucios in Brazil. Oh okay. And I think also like in the south of Brazil. Like he I think he went there twice. I know that Gustavo Santolaya came to to the US. Mm-hmm. Um, other people also went to, to Mexico, but I can't remember at the top of my head. I, right. I would have to look for it. Yeah, people definitely wanted to exile in multiple countries. Uh, and then I was just going to uh, finish up with asking you, I know that you've been to the Museum of... Um, I think it's called the Museum of Memory. I'm not sure. Memoria, exactly. Verdad y Justicia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. the Museo de la ESMA. Mm-hmm. That it was the, um, the military campground where people were taking mm-hmm. like when they would disappear these people they would take them there and torture them mm-hmm. and see what they're gonna do with them um, mm-hmm. it's in Buenos Aires mm-hmm. I can't remember where but I went there yeah. and 
I, I had the tour, so you have uh, three or four floors. Uh, you have basements, first floor, second mm -hmm. floor, and third. The third floor is just like an altillo. Mm -hmm. like, um, like an atrium? I think. And you you had like only places like for like sleeping bags, but mm -hmm. they they didn't have sleeping bags. Right. Um, there's where uh, women that were um, kidnapped were having their babies. Mm -hmm. um, the second floor was just for uh, officers that were monitoring the the people there. Uh, the first floor was like a regular place, like everybody. Who came in didn't really suspect that anything was happening, mm -hmm. and then the the lower side, the lower floor, was where they will transfer them, mm -hmm. um, and you like you will get killed on mm -hmm. site, or you will go to Los Vuelos de la Muerte, mm -hmm. that is like the flight of the dead, I think it's called right. in English. Um, death flights. Yes, death flights, um, where people will just like push other people through the right they would shove them naked and yes kind of knocked out and in, shove them out the, yes into the ocean right so uh, is there anything else that you would like to share in terms of how much like perhaps rock and espanol has meant to you in terms of learning about your history before we close up it was very therapeutic to learn through music I, mm -hmm. I really like to learn um how like different genres uh, were coming together. I know about folklore and nueva canción. Well, they would you say they're like a precursor to? We call folklore in Argentina what mm -hmm. is nueva canción mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. we have the dances and like ballet folklorico in Mexico. Right. Like that's folklore for us. Right. So you have people talking about their ranch life and you mm -hmm. like. And you would also t have people about, like Victor Jara in Chile, mm -hmm. that talked about the unfairness of it all mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. how he wanted change. In Argentina, we have Mercedes Sosa that she also uh, sang about that. Um, so it isn't so just rock in Espanol. It's not just rock in Espanol. I think we uh, we don't use rock in Espanol as a as an adjective to describe it, which is called rock nacional. Ah, oh, right, of course. Or rock, rock nacional. Mm -hmm. uh, because or rock in tu idioma. We didn't do that, but yes. Oh, I thought there was like a little sticker or something. I, but it might have just been more for like marketing. It could have been for marketing mm -hmm. here in the US. Mm -hmm. uh, we, I wasn't aware, at least. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Total disclaimer here. Right. Uh, no, I, it, I I'm knew sure it about it like in like rock terms. national, like okay. national rock. Okay. And then I would know about some Chilenos. Mm -hmm. um, but I wasn't aware that it was also happening like in Mexico or in other parts like Chile, not Chile, sorry, Colombia as mm -hmm. well. Uh, but yes. It was rock nacional for me, and I felt like Charlie Garcia, El Flaco Espineta, and Fito Paez, and Leo Gieco, and like all the Argentinos were the only ones doing rock <laughs> at the time. And, uh, and I know there's a TV show that is coming out, that came out on Netflix about Fito Paez, so I think 
we can see today that there's a great deal of attention. I mean, great deal relatively, right? Uh, at least there's some, I think, interest in Latin America to remembering from here. from here. But I think that was made there in Argentina. It was made in there, and um, I think all the think actors in Latin are too. Argentinos as well. I mean, I think it's getting its due in terms of there's attention to how much of an important role they, that role played in in like helping to help maybe help people deal with the trauma. For sure. And and spend and speaking out against dictatorship. So I think that's something that I want to leave our audience with is thinking about it that way. So thank you, Emilia, for your um, wonderful insights and for <laughs> even being from the next the two generations later and still rocking Espanol is <laughs> an important part of your of your um, life. Thank you for having me. Gracias a la profesora Sosa Ridel y a Emilia Parodi for their very insightful conversation. In this episode, we heard Argentina's rock pioneer Los Gatos with their song La Balsa. We also listened to Los Dinosaurios de Charlie Garcia. We also heard a fragment from El Reino del Revés by María Elena Walsh. And from Chile, we heard a bit of Los Prisioneros with Por qué no se van. This has been the discursive power of rock and español and the desire for democracy. My name is Jorge Leal, historian at UC Riverside. This podcast series features the collaboration of Jose Vergara, director of the Miramonte Music Program, and the students who are part of the Miramonte Modern Band. Gracias a todas ellas y ellos. We are also thankful for the support of the University of California Humanities Research Institute. This project is also supported in part by the University of California Office of the President, MRPI Funding, Thank you, and until next time.